0: Coming up on today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast.
1: I moved to St. Pete to be with my grandmother, who had already been here since the 90s. Oh, wow. Yeah, everyone's grandmother is in Florida somewhere, right? <laughs> I know you said that Iberian rooster doesn't exist anymore.
2: Well, no, that's, that's a question I want to know about. Like, how did this all come about? What's gonna, what is going to happen with Iberian rooster? So, yeah, please expound on that.
1: What we're doing is it's, it's like a bowl concept, kind of like a poke bowl, but with going food. So you pick your base, you pick your protein, you pick your uh, sauce, and you pick your toppings. And you can have fun with that.
2: Right.
0: Yeah, and there's a couple of, I mean, there's several items actually I want to talk about. but The, the first two I want to mention are because of their names. The Millennial Falcon and the Boom Chicka Boomer. <laughs>
2: to you from St. Petersburg, Florida. You're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown.
0: Hi, I'm Kevin Godby.
2: And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today.
0: Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete.
2: And be sure to check out our website, SaintPetersburgFoodies.com. there you'll find great information including restaurant reviews the largest St. Pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated and information on the newest restaurants in town we are locals that live in downtown St. Pete and we've been eating our way through this town for years so you don't have to but you should
0: we have a new episode every Tuesday. Just hit the subscribe button and you'll get notified when an episode is ready for download. And then you can listen to them anytime you want, like on your morning jog or commute to work.
2: On today's show, our featured guest is Russell Andrade.
0: Russell is the owner of Iberian Rooster, which is now Avo's Kitchen, with a unique type of Indian food not found in all of the southeastern U.S.
2: After Russell, we're going to Greenstock for lunch and checking out the special feature for December. We We have have a great great show, so stick around.
0: Hey, Lori, have you ever been to Noble Crust? I have. What do you like there? Pork belly pimento cheese and fried green tomatoes are my favorite. Oh, yeah, I love that one, too. They actually call it the FGBLT. It's fried green tomatoes pork belly, glazed with a Tabasco honey sauce and pimento cheese, Mm -hmm. and it's the first item on the menu so you can't miss it. And I think they should actually call it the OMG.
2: Yeah, you've said that before. The chicken marsala is really good too. It has chicken and chicken sausage,
0: criminy mushrooms and four cheese grits, it's so delicious. I love that they mix classics from the American Deep South and Italy. Noble crust is famous for their fried chicken. I love it. Yeah, and the eggplant parmesan is out of this world. When we do a Best a clamp Parm list, it'll definitely be on there. Yes, it will. Speaking of lists, Noble Crust made six of them recently. Best Italian, Best Casual Dining, Best Pizza, Best Bloody Marys, Best Meatballs, and, believe it or not, Best Salads. Ooh,
2: can I tell you another one of my favorite items? Yeah. The spaghetti and meatballs. It's oh, so good. Oh,
0: man, you're not kidding. You know what? They have a brunch on Saturdays and Sundays starting at 10.30, which I love. And the deviled eggs are to die for.
1: Let's go to Noble
0: Crust right now. I'm in. Let's do it. One of our favorite places to go eat in St. Pete is Engine Number Nine. They've been a staple in downtown St. Pete coming up on seven years and they are famous for their unique and tasty burger creations. As a matter of fact, they are on the St. Pete Foodies list of best burgers in St. Pete. They also made the best hot dogs list, the best chilies, and the best wings in St. Pete. Aside from the food, Engine Number 9 is a great sports bar with lots of TVs, beer, and wine. And you can even get a regular old cheeseburger too, so you can bring your non-adventurous eater friends. Check out Engine Number no. 9 at the corner of MLK and 1st Avenue North in downtown St. Pete. Their burgers can't be beat. Engine, engine Can you get me back on time? Please welcome the owner of Iberian Rooster and the new pop-up inside of it, Avo's Kitchen, Russell Andrade.
1: Welcome, Russell. Oh, thanks for having me, guys.
0: And I should mention that Iberian Rooster was the original restaurant in that location, and it's the name is still there, but for all intents and purposes, Iberian Rooster's not currently operating, but it's Avo's Kitchen, which right. is now uh, in that spot. And that literally translates to Grandma's Kitchen. <laughs> right. Avo, Avo is the word for grandmother in...
1: It's in Portuguese. Portuguese. So, oh, it's Portuguese. Okay, cool. Yeah, my, my family um, would call every grandmother Avell. So it just made sense to go that route.
0: Yeah, cool. Yeah,
1: that's and, great. And
0: it's a really cool concept that we don't have here in St. Pete, which I really love because, you know, when p- people open new restaurants, it's like, okay, we already have five of those. Do we really right. need another one? Right. You know, so that's nice. And it really looks like something I need to eat real soon. And we actually will be having a review coming up, and maybe by the the time this comes out, we might even have the review up on the site, but not sure yet. But let's find out a little bit more about you before we get into the restaurant. Where are you originally from? What brought you to St. Pete? And what did you do before this?
1: Uh, Okay. So my my family is Portuguese. Uh, My dad was actually raised in Goa, which uh, was uh, a Portuguese colony in India. And um, I, but I was born in Dubai, I moved to Toledo, Ohio for college. And then when I got my green card, I moved to St. Pete to be with my grandmother, who had already been here since the 90s. Oh, wow. Yeah. Everyone's grandmother is in Florida somewhere, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. From, from Dubai to Toledo. Wow.
1: That's a big uh, difference. Yeah. There was so. <laughs>
2: and how old were you? then?
1: I was 17.
0: Oh, wow. What a culture shock.
1: Oh, yeah. No, um, there was a, a woman I had uh, known in Dubai who moved to uh, go to uh, some university in Chicago. And when you're looking at the map in Dubai of the distance between Chicago and Toledo, it looked very close. <laughs> uh, but it's like 13 hours on a Greyhound bus. So, <laughs> so, so that didn't work. <laughs>
2: yeah. That's funny.
1: Yeah, so I've I've been in St. Pete off and on since '99. I went to St. Pete College for music. St. Pete has always felt like home to me.
0: Oh, that's cool. So you you went for music?
1: Yes, I was. I'm a professionally trained opera singer, and I've sung with St. Pete Opera a bunch of times. And it's another reason why St. Pete's felt like home.
2: Right. Are you still sing, Do you still sing with them?
1: Yeah, I sing with them um, every once in a while. I do some stuff with New Century Opera in Talvin Springs. Uh, running, running a restaurant and uh, being an opera singer are things that are very difficult to do simultaneously. And right. w- what's nice about New Century Opera is they do their rehearsals almost exclusively on the weekend. While more traditional opera companies, you have to check out for about a month while you rehearse. Oh wow! Yeah,
2: yeah. One of my um, clients this past year, Emily Malman, she also sings opera with Saint Pete Opera Company.
1: Oh. Okay,
2: I don't know if you know Emily.
1: Uh, we, we all tend to know everyone. I just, <laughs> uh... <laughs> yeah,
2: I know there's a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, opera is is pretty unique that it re- it requires a number of talents. I mean, it's not just singing. You know, there's it's performing arts. There's possible acting, scenery, costume, and sometimes even dance.
1: Yeah, and and all of that is is a lot of fun. Uh, it's why it takes so long to train in it, but. Now in a COVID world, we're learning how to do it all on camera, which is so different because you don't have the immediate validation from the audience.
0: Right. Right. They should do like they like they did with sports. Pump pump in the uh, applause.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and have uh you know cutouts of people all around my um uh, my my house. Yeah. Your house, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
0: So, uh, Russell, how did you or- originally get interested in opera?
1: I've always been a huge fan of singing. Uh, when I was young, it was I. I used to be an Elvis impersonator. And, <laughs> That's awesome. And um, and then when I came to America, I took voice lessons. You know, because I wanted to get better at singing Guns N' Roses and stuff like that. <laughs> and and my voice teacher. Uh, at St. Pete College, actually, it was like, you could probably be a decent opera singer if you put your mind to it. And then I just fell in love with the art form. In Dubai, you don't really get a lot of exposure to to classical music, let alone opera.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Do you go back there very often? No. No? No. I um, just wondered if it had changed maybe over the years. I know it's become more cultural.
1: The last time I was there was in 2011. Um, I left in 98. Mm-hmm. So this is before the world's tallest building and the seven star hotel. And right. of, so back then it was the tallest building in Dubai was 20. I want to say 25 or 29 stories. It's been a while.
2: Oh, wow. And, wow. <laughs>
1: and now, um, and you could see that from anywhere in Dubai, you could see the World Trade Center is what what that building was the Dubai World Trade Center. And now you you can't even see that. You can't even see the building on the skyline anymore. It's Wow. It's just surrounded by these skyscrapers.
2: <laughs> Changed a lot.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: So then how did you get interested in the culinary arts?
1: So while I was at St. Pete College, my, my best friend uh, was a guy named Jason Miller. And Jason and I had been best friends for well over a decade. Mm-hmm. And he got a job cooking at the trade winds and he got into he got into the culinary arts he
0: mm-hmm. was a
1: huge fan of baking and experimenting with the uh, flavor profiles and all of that stuff and after i moved back to st pete um after my divorce he and i had talked about going into business together and we opened and so we found where the rooster is now uh, at the old crest building we found that place together. We really started all of it together. We looked for over a year for that for a space like where we found.
2: Right, and that was Moscato's at the time, correct?
1: Correct. We found the place together, and he was going to handle the kitchen, and I was going to handle the business and the uh, the music and all of that because we, you know, with Subcentral, we have a, the ability to do entertainment underground, right. which is right amazing.
2: Yeah, it's a great yeah. space down there.
1: Yeah, so that's how I got into the culinary stuff.
0: Yeah, and you guys had a record fast build out on that too. Uh
1: yeah, we, we basically just painted Moscato's white, uh, instead of the traditional brick. And then right. we, we hired the Vitali brothers to do some murals and we did some new furniture and stuff, but Moscato's actually did a really good job with what was there before and they did. So we um you know, Yolanda and Bill, I don't know where they are now, but they were they were actually really helpful to me when, when we were trying to open up the rooster.
2: You were definitely the fastest that we've seen. There's always some sort of permit hang-up or this or that, but you really didn't change any of the interior functionality of the kitchen, so you didn't have to do that, correct?
1: C- uh, correct. And that was, right. I, I'm sure, I mean, the city of St. Pete is growing so quickly that the permit mm-hmm. office is always just, they're just always slammed. Right. So so for us, we figured the easiest thing would be to leave what was there before and basically change the furniture to make it look...
0: Right, right. Yeah, it's a great space. Hey, Russell, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and I can't wait to talk about Avo's Kitchen because it looks really cool. We'll be right back. Ramen is the ultimate comfort food and Booyah Ramen on the 900 block of Central Avenue is my go-to. It's so freaking good. The broth is like a silky blanket to warm up your mouth, and the hearty proteins, or just mushrooms for vegetarians, it'll have you saying, ooh, mommy, the umami is making my eyes roll back in my head. My favorites are the pork belly and the short rib. Mmm. And then there's the noodles. O.M.G. Go get the best ramen in St. Pete at Booyah Ramen at 911 Central Avenue in the Edge District of downtown St. Pete.
2: Do ya booyah? Hey, foodies. Do you know about the Zest podcast? If you're listening to us, you should be listening to them too.
0: They're part of the Tampa NPR station WUSF 89.7. On the Zest, you'll learn new recipes, baking tips, and barbecue secrets. You'll hear about what's ripe, what's growing, and what's in season.
2: The Zest Podcast is hosted by Robin Sussingham, an award-winning reporter and producer who's also an avid home cook and baker. Robin's a native Floridian and has been searching out flavors and the fascinating stories behind them from Key West to Pensacola. Learning to care for a sourdough starter and learning to bake sourdough breads really speaks to people in a very deep way. It's part of our collective history and we're getting back to our roots and our self-sufficiency.
0: Just like us, The Zest Podcast has interviews with chefs and restaurateurs and talks about food and recipes covering the Tampa Bay Area and throughout Florida.
2: It's what we listen to when we're not doing our own show. Check out The Zest Podcast at thezestpodcast.com.
0: We are back! We are back! We are back with Russell Andrade, the owner of Avos Kitchen which is inside uh Iberian Rooster, which I we said earlier that's just the name on there now Iberian Roaster 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 Ro- Ro- That'll be that's going to be my new restaurant Iberian Roaster There you go. Just kidding. Um yeah, so it's it's on Central Avenue on the corner of Central and 5th Street North. Mm,
2: crest Building.
0: Mm-hmm. And as we also said earlier, Avos Kitchen really translates into like grandma's kitchen and it's a a going fast casual concept that's G O A N because Goa is a state in India so it's a specific type of Indian food and also just like Iberian rooster was colonial portuguese cuisine and you mentioned this earlier Russell the state of Goa used to be a portuguese colony and mm-hmm. your family's portuguese yep and one of the coolest things is is that your grandmother if i remember correctly from what i read on the site had a restaurant Mm-hmm. for 15 years. Yep. I think in Tanzania. Yep. And this is basically stuff from her menu. Correct. How cool is that? That's really cool.
1: Yeah. So, um, so Goa is an interesting, it's an interesting place. Um, when, when people who aren't familiar with it, ask me questions about it, I tend to compare it to, uh, Louisiana and the U S so, Think of like how Creole food is technically American food, but it's so different from the rest of American food. Right, right. To me, Goa is kind of like that to India, right? So the flavor profiles are different. We tend to use a lot of vinegar. So there's some tartness to the spice that you won't find Mm. in the rest of, of India.
0: I could see that working well.
1: Oh, it's, it's for, for me, it's a comfort food. So right. what's been really interesting, like all of this stuff is stuff I grew up with. So my grandmother raised me from the time I was born till about the time I was 10. My mom and dad were working full-time jobs. So my grandmother would babysit and do all of that stuff. And my grandmother would literally get up in the morning and just cook. And that's all she did. Nice. And so i grew up with all of this food and so as as a grown adult you know just watching people who have never tasted this stuff before validate my emotions toward it <laughs> has been a huge ego boost it's been great uh and that's awesome uh, and so with with the with going food uh, there are things like in if you go to the rest of india you i'm sure you've heard of uh, vindaloo Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in Goa, it's called, called Vindalo, and the flavor profile is completely different. And we use a lot of, as I said, we use a lot of vinegar. We use uh, something called Kashmiri chilies, which is a kind of a sweeter uh, spice than like habaneros and uh, jalapenos and that kind of stuff. But we also use a lot of traditional Indian uh, spices, so like cumin, turmeric, uh, cardamom, that kind of stuff is all in. In this stuff.
2: So, please tell me, is there cilantro on every dish?
1: Not every dish. Uh, my partner <laughs> uh, has the gene that makes cilantro
2: taste like soap. Yeah, that's me.
1: Yep. Uh, so, <laughs> no, there there are plenty of things, and honestly, there's there are so many things covering that taste that my partner doesn't even taste it most of the time because when it does have cilantro in it, really? Yep. So I, I'd love to, I'd love to experiment on you when you come in.
2: Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Only if you're giving me free drinks to get that soap taste out of my mouth. <laughs> All right, we'll see what happens.
1: Uh-huh. No, but but the the food itself is what I'm really loving, and I know you said that Iberian rooster doesn't exist anymore.
2: Well, no, that's that's a question I want to know about. Like, how did this all come about? What's gonna what is gonna happen with Iberian Rooster? So, yeah, please expound on that.
1: So, you know, going into March, we were planning on revamping the me- the old menu for Iberian Rooster. So, Iberian Rooster was food from the former colonies of Portugal, and right. so we were planning on revamping that menu, and like we had all of these plans and then March 18th came around and we started to realize how big a deal covid was going to be right and
0: right. No, no nobody really knew we all thought okay let's hunker down for a couple of months right. and then and we'll get back to normal
2: yeah me too since i came down with it on the 17th
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my Go goodness ahead. yeah so um well on March 18th i kind of made the decision that i don't I had heard that people were dying from it, but it wasn't really a lot of people. But when the scientists are using words like exponential, Mm -hmm. that scares me. And one of my uh, high school friends works with the CDC. So I called her and she was telling me she's a scientist that that is actively researching COVID. Wow. And so I called her and she was like, yeah, this is a really bad thing. And so I just shut down. Um, and I figured I'd shut down until the numbers started to go down. Mm-hmm. And for a very short period of time, and I can't remember if it was April or May, the numbers did start to look like they were dipping. So I opened up for to-go stuff. Right. And then I realized that the numbers were starting to go back up. And Oh, yeah. Told- we hadn't
2: seen anything yet.
1: <laughs> yeah. So we closed down again. And I, I realized, you know, I'm i'm gonna need to I'm gonna need to open back up because I can't keep this going indefinitely, right. I have responsibilities to people besides my myself and my employees. so I came back in and we redid the whole restaurant so my servers no longer had to go up to people's tables mm-hmm. uh, we put Plexiglass across the entire restaurant, so the bar is now protected with Plexiglass the there's now a line you walk through and that is also protected by plexiglass uh you place your order uh they bring they give you the food underneath the plexiglass everyone's wearing a mask we reduced our seating from 78 to 39 inside Mm -hmm. and we expanded the outdoor seating from uh 20 to 40 outside um and everything is is spaced out and you know, and then we also following CDC guidelines. So I'm doing the best that I thought I could. Um, mm-hmm. Everything is a calculated risk, but I talked to my friend uh, who works with the CDC, and she was like, "This is probably going to be the best. The best option is obviously to close down, but it's not feasible at this point. Not in
2: the real world, no.
1: And <laughs> and so, uh, so we did that, and it's been it's been really great because
2: and we, and that's been <laughs> with the abos menu though.
1: That is with the Arvo's menu. And so what we did was we had to get rid of, I wanted to keep the number of people in the kitchen down. That, that's another thing, right? Like you reduce the number of people working at the same time. Right. So that the, the risk of transmission is less. So what we're doing is it's, it's like a bowl concept, kind of like a pokey bowl, but with going food. So you pick your base, you pick your protein, you pick your uh, sauce, and you pick your toppings. And you can have fun with that.
2: Right.
0: Yeah, and there's a couple of, I mean, there's several items actually I want to talk about. But The the first two I want to mention are because of their names. The Millennial Falcon and the Boom Chicka Boomer.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so um, I didn't come up with the names, but I did think they were funny.
2: They are funny.
1: (laughs) Um, uh, Sean Feld, who was the former GM of Locale Market, came up with those names, and I couldn't stop laughing because just hearing people order them is a right every time that's great
0: yeah and you also have uh the the fitness burger because you're gonna have a hard time fitness fitness in your mouth right (laughs) we i love that that's something i I would come up with right
1: we couldn't like we're just having a, a hard time coming up with cutesy names and honestly the i just wanted to hear the staff keep making the joke again and again and again (laughs) yeah uh because i'm i'm kind of sadistic with stuff like that
0: right oh and here's another one prawn stars oh
1: geez (laughs) prawn stars is probably one of our best sellers it's is it yeah it's a bread bowl uh so we started doing bread bowls because with curries um the bread bowl actually sucks up the curry. Right. And it is delicious. And that's one of the things like I, I always used to love about Panera bread when you'd get their soup in the bread bowls. And I was <laughs> like, you know, these um these uh curries would, would be amazing. And and I was right. They're they're really good in the bread bowls.
0: Yeah. yeah so Russell, what is palau?
1: Palau is uh the Portuguese word for uh, a pilaf. So it's just ah. rice, you know, okay. um, we spice our rice a little bit. So it is a little bit, um, it's got a very interesting flavor. There's a lot of cumin and stuff like that in it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I know this style of food in general just ha- is packed with flavor and to me, exotic flavors in, in a good way. How about uh, the level of heat?
1: Right. So there are, there I make no apologies on some things, and on other things, um, we we are quite conservative with it. So, depending on which version of the menu you have, you'll either see it as sorpatel or uh, uh, family spiced braised pork. Mm-hmm. That that one thing is quite spicy. Um, now, bear in mind, spice for us isn't burn your tongue off; it's more. It's more there to be a complement to the tartness. So there is, mm-hmm. there is the tartness of the vinegar mixed with the spice of the pepper, and the Kashmiri chilies we use has some heat, but there's sweetness to it as well. So you get those three, all going at the same time, and that sounds great. It is, uh, it is delicious. But for some people, it is a little bit much. And for we also have things on the menu like. Uh, we have a shrimp flatbread. We've got a uh, uh, dip trio. Um, we've got, you know, we've got stuff on there that is, if if spice is not your thing, we've we've got you covered, um, right. right?
2: Kevin loves spice. That's why he was asking. Yeah. That's yeah, that's it for me. <laughs> he wants to know something that's going to make him sweat.
1: Oh, so, yeah. uh, you want to get the um, the beef, the, the chorizo, mm-hmm. or the the sausage buns? Um, oh. You want to get right. those because we, we make those, um, our chorizo in-house. and oh, nice. And Goan sausage is something that is very difficult to make. So mo- even Goan families tend to not make their own Goan sausage. In fact, there's only one place I can think of, like when, when my family and I want go in sausage and my grandmother wasn't around to make it, there's a woman in Texas who will actually mail you uh, go on sausage because she'll actually make them, and that's her career.
2: Oh wow! Um,
1: it's very difficult to make, and so we do it and in house and nice. Um, it when you said there isn't anything like that in uh, Saint Pete, I will say there's nothing like it in the southeast. Probably right, right. right.
0: I mean, so, I'm sure you are. So, why is the sausage difficult to make?
1: Uh, it takes about three to four days. Um, to marinate and the getting the level of spice correct, because um, you're you have to get it right, and then in four days that's the flavor you you get. It's right. not it's not the immediate flavor; it's the four days later flavor that you're prepping for.
2: So it's patience.
1: Mm-hmm. And it, it's <laughs> if you get it wrong, you got to restart the whole thing.
2: Right, and that's a long process (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) to restart. So, one thing I wanted to circle back to that I don't think we really got answered are you going to be reintroducing Iberian Rooster itself down the road?
1: I kind of want to see how Avo's Kitchen uh, does. Right. um, Because right now, um, this is the, as far as I can tell, this is probably the the only way I can keep my stuff safe. Right. Let me rephrase that. This is probably the only way I would feel comfortable keeping my staff safe because right. there are other people, like uh, Piers in Gulfport, does an amazing job. Right, and I don't know if you've been there, but they oh do. yes, they they have gone above and beyond. Um, but I don't have the the outdoor space that they do. Right, to be able to to serve like they do now. Right, once the vaccine comes out and a sufficient number of people have had it and you feel comfortable moving on with life. I want to see if people like the food enough. And if they do, I think what we'll do is we'll move to a more traditional uh, – we'll keep the same menu because the mm. food has been incredibly popular. Right. And we might move to a more traditional sit-down service kind of thing. But, but stay
2: with the Avos menu.
1: But stay with the Avos menu because – nice. Um, Good. The the reason it's really funny. The reason I um. I went I went with Iberian rooster was because I was worried people wouldn't like my grandmother's food in all of its glory. So we right. would do peri peri chicken and bacalhau and all of that stuff just to kind of be like, okay, we've got other stuff too. But seeing the positive response I have, um, to the food now. As I said, it's an ego trip, and I really enjoy it. But isn't
2: it. it wonderful too? Because you're so passionate about it, and that's what makes this more of a passion project,
1: right? And so when, so we've had a few people ask, when when are you going back to the Iberian Rooster menu? And I am in love with this menu because I can eat there every day, and it's um, and it feels like home for right. me. Right. Uh, and and we do have people who come by. Two to three times a week to try something new because there is nothing like it. We're the only Indian restaurant, uh, apart from Twisted Indian, uh, which I think is a food truck now. We're right. the only Indian restaurant in downtown Saint Pete. Right, you are, Correct. and and we are the only going restaurant, as I said, in the southeast. So, mm-hmm. if you want to try this cuisine, you either learn how to make it yourself, or mm-hmm. you come to you come to the Rooster. Right,
2: And we'll be coming there soon. I can assure you that.
0: Yeah. You know what else uh, I'm really happy about is how you're saying it's been so accepted. And I think, you know, Americans in general uh, don't have a reputation. I I don't want to say for having sophisticated palates, but maybe diverse palates. Right. And I always, since I was a little kid, always had a diverse palate. And I was always an adventurous eater. And I was always like, if we went out to eat the way I would pick what I was going to order was the first thing I would come to on the menu that I never had before. That's what I want to get. And I think, I don't know if you would have been as successful, say 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And so I think American palates in general are starting to get a little more diverse and I'm just happy about that.
2: Yes. And St. Pete's become more of a melting pot too. And people are looking for Indian cuisine. They ask about it in our group all the time.
1: Right and well I I will say um what's kind of nice about about the cuisine we're doing is the majority of it is comfort food mm-hmm. or uh, it's my comfort food that I I had growing up and you're talking about meat and bread or meat and potatoes or you're talking Right about, right you know so it's it's like the the going shepherd's pie is is ground beef surrounded by mashed potatoes
2: Right, yummy.
1: How how, uh, how do you go wrong with that?
0: Right, right. <laughs> you know, and how do, you, how do you make it that I see it on the menu here says handheld going shepherd's pie. Yeah, we pie. were
2: talking about this earlier. Like, how do you hold a shepherd's pie and not make a mess?
1: Um, this is, so it's surrounded by mashed potatoes that is lightly fried and there are breadcrumbs and stuff in it to kind of keep it together. Mm-hmm. Uh. So it's kind of like a thing of an empanada if the breading was mashed potatoes.
2: Oh, Oh, and it, cool.
1: that's what that's what it looks like and it's I mean it, it's delicious.
0: It sounds delicious. And there are rooster wings also. I saw that. You can get buffalo, korean barbecue or sweet and spicy chili.
1: Rice. Right.
2: And I saw a pickle brined chicken breast. Buttermilk?
1: Yeah, we have a bunch of chicken stuff on there. Um the chicken curry I don't know if you've seen that um the coconut chicken curry. Mm-hmm. That was something my grandmother made up. So my grandmother came down and taught all of my cooks how to how to make this stuff.
0: Oh, that's so cool. That's really cool. What is her name?
1: Afra. Um Afra. Mm-hmm. And she uh lives in Georgia with my parents right now. But um yeah, her name's Afra and the restaurant she had in Tanzania was called Lusitania after the ship.
0: Oh. Cool
1: and yeah, so she came down and you know she's advanced in ages, uh, if mm-hmm. you will, and just was really nice with the staff. showed how to make how we make the samosas at home and um, mm-hmm. how how we do the she- the we call them potato chops in in um, in Goa, but um, <laughs> here they're called goan shepherd's pie because it's probably the easiest way to explain to people. Describe it, are. yeah. Right. Um, and then, um, yeah, so she she came down and, and showed everyone how to make it and had a great time. That's it, awesome. I'm sure it's an ego trip for her as well, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. that's
0: very cool. It's grandma's kitchen and grandma actually showed us how to make the food.
1: That is awesome. <laughs> yeah.
0: So you guys are open seven days a week and is it 11 to 9 every day?
1: 11 to 9 every day.
0: That's awesome. And is it correct that the to-go starts at noon, right?
1: You know what? We're going to change that to 11 as well. Uh, Okay, cool. We'll do it from 11 to 9 um, to go every day. And if you do it from our website, it helps us out a lot because we don't have to pay Uber Eats. um, Right. And they're. You know, they charge 30%. Yeah, we know. Yeah, we heard that. So
2: do you deliver from your website or no?
1: We deliver from our website through Postmates. Um, Okay. The. I think the cost difference between Postmates and Uber Eats is maybe a dollar or two, mm-hmm. but it ends up helping us out a lot because sure. that 30% when we're, you know, we we keep our prices pretty low. Right. And so 30% ends up going, cutting into the actual food costs. It's so. a big
2: chunk, I know. <laughs> yeah, and,
0: and the website is avoskitchen.com, A-V like in Victor, O-S-kitchen.com, and on Facebook it's... Avos Kitchen St. Pete.
2: Thank you, Russell.
0: Russell Andre, thank you so much.
1: Yes. Yeah, appreciate it. Bye bye.
2: St. Pete is all about local, and this year we celebrate a local legend's 25th anniversary. Roland Oats Market and Cafe was founded in July of 94 by Burt Swain and Larry Schwartz. From the beginning, Roland Oats has made a commitment to provide St. Pete customers with the finest quality organic whole foods nutritional supplements, and body care products at the most reasonable price as possible. And now they have a South Tampa location too. We go there for many items, but they are the only place that we go to buy our raw probiotics and other supplements. They have the best organic whole food selection in town, and on the flip side of that, they also offer a fantastic selection of wines and an unparalleled selection of local craft beer. Rollin' Oats has a cafe, open daily, which offers delicious sandwiches, burgers, soups, salads, bowls, wraps, entrees, and fresh-made smoothies, along with a variety of prepared and packaged take-home meals located in the market itself. Do you pride yourself with supporting local businesses? Well, put your money where your mouth is and get on into Rollin' Oats today.
0: Rollin' Oats St. Pete is located at 2842 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Street North. And in South Tampa, you'll find them at 1021 North McDill Avenue. Check them out on the web at RollinOats.com.
2: That's R-O-L-L-I-N Oats.com. And Roland Oats offers online ordering with curbside pickup.
0: I always look forward to having lunch at Greenstock every other Tuesday. Me too. Yeah. You know, there's, there's times that I eat some heavy stuff, and then there's the four-day Thanksgiving all-the-rules-go-out-the-window weekend from two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So it felt good today to skip breakfast, not the coffee, though. And then after the interview, get not just any salad, but a green stock one. And their salads are so good because they're a chef-driven and ingredient-focused restaurant. They do both salads and wraps, and it's in a fast, casual setting right in the heart of downtown St. Pete. It sure is. And they're the sponsor of this segment. They are. They make all of their own dressings from scratch in-house, which is great because bottled dressing is like, has about, I don't know, you have to make a spreadsheet of all the crap in there that you can't even pronounce. Right. That you don't need in your body. Ew, gross. And I don't think there's a lot of places that uh, make their own dressings. I'm sure there's a few, but uh, at Greenstock, everything's fresh. Nothing comes out of a can. You can see all all the ingredients right there in their case. And today we both did you inspired is what they call when you just pick all your ingredients. And as always, ladies first, what did you have?
2: Well, today I had by normal tossed romaine and spinach with cukes, with cucumbers, tomatoes, pickled red onions, beets, peppers, watermelon radish, Crispy wasabi peas, and I wanted to add tuna, but because tuna's fresh and they didn't get it in fresh, they did not have it today. So that tells you it's fresh. So when I actually got it home, I had some steak left over, so I made it a steak salad. Ah, That's cool. Yeah, and then I didn't use their dressing because I'm on Weight Watchers, as you know. So I used my oil and vinegar.
0: Very good. It was delicious. You know. we mentioned that, I think we mentioned the tuna salad almost every time because oh. it's so freaking so good, good. Right. and we just we ordered a little later today than we normally do and they ran out that fast and he said we're making more we're going to have more we just don't have it right now and Oh
2: okay I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, oh okay. I didn't
0: tell you that. You yet. didn't tell me that part. But I'm going to tell you something else that you might not know too. Okay. About the tuna. Cuz I've been wondering about this like why is this? besides that it's fresh it's not canned tuna why is it so good and they actually post it a little while ago on their social media. Here it is. The secret behind our tuna salad unveiled. We use fresh ingredients like Dijon mustard, mayo, pickles, parsley, sushi grade tuna, which we then confit, and lemon to make our tuna salad in-house every day. Add this flavorful protein packed treat to your salad or wrap today. Yeah. It's good. It's amazing. Yeah. I got to save this, see if we can duplicate it. Probably not. So I decided to go with uh, romaine and baby kale for my greens. Then I added carrots, mushrooms, corn, kalamata olives, toasted pepitas, crispy wasabi peas. And then I had red wine, vinegar, and olive oil. And since they didn't have tuna, I got the hummus because I think the hummus is like almost as amazingly good as the tuna. It's probably one of the best hummus in St. Pete. Besides mine. Yeah, right. <laughs> and they now have combined with their butcher shop business, which started out as like online only, St. Pete Meat and Provisions. So they have their products at Greenstock. They have the highest quality steaks, chicken, pork, they have farm fresh eggs, and a bunch of other sundries. And you can buy those right at Greenstock when you're getting your salad. Awesome. So check out Greenstock on the 400 block of Central Avenue in downtown St. Pete. They are open for dine-in or takeout, and their hours are from 10.30 to 6, Monday through Saturday. And you can order on their website, which is eatatgreenstock.com. And you'll find the butcher shop at stpetemeat.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Important info coming up.
1: This is Chris
0: We have two new items up on the food blog with perfect timing for our interview with Russell. We have the review of Avo's Kitchen, and we also have news that Anata Restaurant and Wine Bar and Altamari Fish Bar, which are right next to each other and formerly had the same owners, they were sold to new owners. You can find both of those on stpetersburgfoodies.com. And next week on the show, we'll be talking to Fred Zamataro. He is the chief executive officer and executive vice president of Schramsburg Vineyards in Napa. They are the only sparkling wine served at the White House. If you'd like to send us fan mail or hate mail, or if you have any requests for interviews or restaurant reviews, just send an email to info at stpetersburgfoodies.com.
2: That's it for this episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast.
0: Thanks for listening.
2: Thanks to our guest, Russell Andrade.
0: And thanks to our sponsors, Greenstock, Rolling Oats,
2: The Zest Podcast,
0: Noble Crust,
2: Booyah Ramen, and and Engine Engine Number number 9.
0: Our announcer is Candice Aviles from Meet the Chef and Channel 10 News. And our theme music is provided by the Chris Walker Band.
2: We'd like to remind you to check out all the latest restaurant reviews, foodies news, top 10 lists, and updated happy hours on Saint PetersburgFoodies.com.
0: Please give us a rating and review on whichever app you're using to listen to the show. And remember to share the show with your foodie friends. Until, Until next time, time, may your food be hot
2: and your bubbly cold.
0: Would you like some chicken? I've got more!